fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile The Fantasy Fullback Dive is thrilled to welcome on, for the first time, the Athletics Chiefs writer, Mr. Nate Taylor. You can find him at ByNateTaylor on Twitter. Previously, Nate's also covered the Pacers for the Indianapolis Star. He's written sports features for the New York Times and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Crushing the Chiefs training camp coverage, so I'm so excited to have him on here today and pick his brain about those Kansas City Chiefs. Nate, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. This is one of the rare off days uh, in training <laughs> camp. We're getting into the dog day, so it's it's better to be with you, Nick, than to be sweating in St. Joseph, Missouri, uh, <laughs> watching another practice. Look, I, I love my job, but yeah, we've reached a point where I'm like, we we gotta have some preseason games. Man. We gotta we gotta mix this up. <laughs> you know, watching the same practice for three weeks under Andy Reid is is fascinating. But I know the guys are looking forward to the first exhibition game against San Francisco on Saturday, as am I. And I'm sure fans are getting ready to have all their drafts. So it's it's a fun time. And we're, we're so close to, like, actually watching football. You know, I'm televised. so excited. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> with you there. And this is like, especially after last year, not really having any preseason games or camps. I don't know about you, but it just I cannot wait for this week when we have this full slate of games. And mm-hmm. it's just so exciting. Like a year removed, you forget how much you miss it, even if it's just the preseason. Do you feel the same? I, I do. And, yeah. and the idea of, hey, all these rookies, we're going to at least get some feel of what right. they can do in their systems now with their new teams. Uh, there's some free agents that are, you're obviously interested in. Uh, you know, the Chiefs are going to get the first look at Trey Lance, right? I mean, right. who... Who doesn't want to at least get an idea of what these teams want to get to? And that was such an interesting process last year because as I was trying to inform people, sure, I, I saw the training camp practices, but, you know, those are somewhat scripted versus like competing against teams that are trying to win. And so to, to come out on week one and ask a lot of young or new players, man, it was it was a lot mentally to get through. Um, so at least this year, I'm more appreciative of understanding the slow right. progress as you get to, you know, mandatory mini camps to training camps to like joint practices, which the Chiefs don't do, but I'm always riveted to yes. read or watch what goes on there. Then you have the first preseason game and then you get to uh, that Thursday night opener. And then obviously September 12th is when most teams will kick off their season. I know. Uh, we're there. We're almost there. A couple almost there. We're, we're almost a, we're a month away. <laughs> I know. Oh, I cannot wait. It's so exciting. This is the best time of the year. All that buzz in the air. Well, there's not a buzzier team than the Chiefs. I mean, and they well deserve the most explosive offense these last few years with Patrick Mahomes there. And why don't we start at the top with that phenom himself since taking over? He's been the first, fifth and second in fantasy points per game. He's won at least 12 games every year, six and two in the playoffs, including two Super Bowl appearances and one title. I mean, just incredible first three seasons. So what are you thinking coming into 2021? Should we expect more of the same dominance? Is there any reason to suspect it will change either for better or worse? I think if you're picking somewhat high in your fantasy draft, 
you really can't go wrong with Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, the stat that I tell people that I think does give you an indication of where he may go from a fantasy perspective is um, Patrick Mahomes has never lost an NFL game in September. It's, it's never happened. Okay. So uh, we're going into year four of him as the, you know, primary starter, obviously in 2017, he was the backup under Alex Smith, but the chiefs offense is so unpredictable, but yet still very potent and dynamic in September that I think whether you draft Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, they tend to perform very well just because they have a schematic advantage because, you know, Andy Reid and Mahomes have been creating all these new plays, these new concepts, uh, and they get to it pretty early on. So the way Mahomes has looked at training camp, I think has been really um, interesting to watch because when he was a younger, he would do all these wild and crazy things. Obviously, we saw that play out in 2018 yeah. where it's like, oh, my God, he has more touchdowns and incompletions yeah. against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week two. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I think he's more mature. I think the offense is more balanced is what they ultimately want to get to this year. But I think Mahomes, in terms of whether fans are worried about his foot injury, he looks great scrambling out of the pocket when asked upon. Uh, his accuracy is still really, really high. Um one of the benefits this year is, you know, maybe McCole Hartman takes a step. And I know we're going to get to that, you know, uh, here later on in the episode. But I feel like Mahomes is one of the best guarantees in football, whether it's the Chiefs themselves on a week to week basis or if he's your fantasy quarterback, because they're going to spread the ball around, I think, a little bit more than last year, just because, as we mentioned, Nick, you get more reps in practice when you go through the OTAs and the mini yeah. camp and obviously training camp to understand some of the new weapons that are going to be around Patrick Mahomes, whether that's Noah Gray, uh, Jarek McKinnon, who was obviously a veteran running back who has a lot of receiving capabilities to him. Clyde Rizalaire should be a, a big target in this offense moving forward. And you still have Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. So again, if you're a defensive coordinator, good luck in September, because I don't know what they're going to do, but I think Mahomes uh, has treated this training camp appropriately and he's been spreading the ball around so that he has that timing, that chemistry with his teammates, not just, you know, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, because I think that's going to be obviously the backbone of this offense for at least the next few years, including 2021. Oh, it's, a, it's a scary thought to picture Mahomes with even more weaponry than what he already has, including those backbone guys that we'll start with, you know, the guys we already know to see if maybe there's any more to their game. Specifically, let's start with Tyree Kill been a fantasy monster the past four years wide receiver seven four twelve and two and fantasy points per game and that's all with only ranking 32nd 18th 30th and 10th in targets per game so very efficient obviously getting it done uh without being a true true target hog but then last year there was kind of i don't know if it was a, a you know deliberate thing or what had happened if it was injuries but over those final 11 weeks tyree kill averaged 10.7 targets per game that would have been the most in the nfl last year had that been a full season, he had an 18, a 14, a 15 target day. He suddenly became this alpha. So I guess what I'm getting to is, is, is that something he's trending towards? Or was that like out of necessity last year? Could there be a role change or an evolution to his game? What do you think with Tyreek? Yeah, it's fascinating because I think in some ways last year it was kind of out of necessity because teams realize that it's, it's, it's some ways a little easier to scheme up things against Travis Kelsey because you know he's in the middle of the field you know he's going to get certain matchups and you can lean your coverage 
toward him. Where with Tyree Kill, I mean, he's he's, a, he's one of the fastest, if not the right. fastest guy in the league. So it's harder to game plan for him, especially if the Chiefs' offensive line, which we all know is very new this year, if those guys stay together, it's going to be tough to um, keep the ball away from Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins had an injury last year. Miko um, Hartman was not ready to take on a bigger role in year two. So everything kind of fit to where Tyreek Hill was obviously in the prime of his career. Mahomes trusted him the most along with Travis Kelsey. So those targets make a lot of sense to me. And if the Chiefs offense wants to make an explosive play, he is understandably, you know, their easiest weapon to call upon from a skill position standpoint. I think this season, because we're going from 16 games to 17 games, I think the Chiefs are going to try to be a little bit deliberate again with spreading the ball around, trying to be less predictable um, because that sort of caught up to them in December as obviously the season gets longer, the bodies start to wear on, defense start to catch up in terms of what you like to do in certain spots of the field. I think from a fantasy perspective, it's still um, reliable to pick Tyree Kill relatively high in terms of the wide receiver rankings as they come off the board in your fantasy draft. I just think this year there's got to be more consistency over the long term, and I think he's still a very, very efficient player. Um, one thing that fantasy fans should really be mindful of is even though he is less than six feet, yeah. he still is one of the best high point receivers mm-hmm. in the league. He can jump and still take balls away from capable defenders. And I think if Mahomes feels like he has good time in the pocket, and again, a lot of this comes on off the Super Bowl, the man was scrambling for his life. If Orlando Brown, if Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, you know, if Mike Rimmers or Lucas Niang, whoever plays right tackle, if Mahomes and the scheme give him the ability to read defenses a little bit more for that extra second, it should bear well for Tyreek Hill. I just don't know if we're going to see a season like in 2018 or even last year, just because the chiefs quietly don't want to overextend Tyreek Hill um, because he's getting up there in age and they need to see more from McCole Hardman, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and those type of players in the offense. But I still think he's one of the most reliable receivers in the AFC. Um, But maybe the targets will come down a little bit this year. That makes total sense, but I do love that idea. And I had the line on there for a later question, but I guess it makes total sense to, to address him with Mahomes, with Tyree Kill, given how much that, you know, an extra second for those guys mm-hmm. could be the difference between, you know, a quick completion and a, a 60-yard bomb. I, as a Patriots fan, I, I remember very distinctly, like, Mahomes dodged somebody, and it was a couple of years ago, you know, mm. just a second later, Tyree Kill is streaking down the field for another 70-yard bomb, and they're back in the game. You know, that could be deadly if that opens up more. How is that new line looking? Is it, is, is you know, Mahomes seeming to have more time behind the pocket? And, and could that take this offense to a whole new level? Yeah, they, they really could. And this is the fun part about these upcoming preseason games. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's weird for even me because I tell fans all the time, like, you know, when I see a formation and this is, you know, when, when I'm seeing the game from the press box where it's the live all 22 I can sort of see a matchup here or a matchup there. And I tell fans, you know, don't, don't always watch the ball with the ball snap, but at least in the preseason, it's like, just watch those five linemen. Just what are they doing? How are they handling, you know, simple concepts from the opposing defensive line? Uh, look, they, they play the 49ers. They're going to be a team that I think is interesting to watch this year. So that's a real first test for them. Uh, the opener is against the Cleveland Browns. I'm not sure if you want to take the Cleveland Browns as like your top defense, at least not in the first week, just because um, since Patrick Mahomes has been the 
quarterback on week one, the Chiefs have averaged 38 points uh, in that opener. It's it's absurd. Uh, and a lot of that is Andy Reid just being like, oh, like this works, that works, this works. Oh, these are all new things. Like just, you know, I, I, I feel bad for the Browns because they're going to have to show up on September 12th knowing that we need at least 35 to be competitive if things go the way they have in previous years. But for that offensive line, a lot of it comes down to can Creed Humphrey and Patrick Mahomes see the blitzing from their perspective in terms of sliding the protection coverages. Orlando Brown is not the fleetest of foot, but he's going from a right tackle in Baltimore to a left tackle in Kansas City off the trade just before the draft this year. Um, I think Joe Tooney is the most consistent, and you know this, Nick, how, how great he was. For the Patriots, the, the guy is just the epitome of consistency. Never misses games, doesn't really give up sacks. You don't have to worry about him. Uh, that is all born true in the training camp. And I think his veteranness is trying to help guys like Trey Smith, who was drafted pretty late in the draft, but obviously had a really, really nice career in Tennessee. So he's a starter that maybe is ahead of where even the Chiefs would be from a rookie standpoint. And Lucas Niang opted out of last year. Uh, he could be the right tackle. Mike Rimmers was a reliable player uh, who I think some fans here in Kansas City are a little timid on just because he didn't play that well in the Super Bowl, but that's because he had to move from right tackle to left tackle in a week's time and uh, try to you know get ready for that Buccaneers fierce pass rush. So the first month I think is going to be fascinating because you may have to see more quick timing, more trickeration, more misdirection from a play calling standpoint. And that still allows Mahomes to get the ball out to a number of players. But I think what we see in October, if the Chiefs offensive line really takes a leap, or they really are able to gel and get those snaps down and those consistencies, and there's not really an injury to disrupt their rhythm, then yeah, we may be looking at perhaps one of the best offensive lines in the league, even though it came together very quickly this offseason and it's five new guys from what the team put out there in Super Bowl 55. So I think the preseason really does come down to staying healthy and can this offensive line gel from an offensive perspective so that you can see pretty early on the offensive line is not going to be a problem. It's going to be upon Mahomes and those skill position players to make the most of the opportunities based on what Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy give you from a play calling standpoint. That ends up being the case. I have no doubt we're going to see a lot of offensive fireworks because when have they disappointed so far these past three years from a play calling or a Mahomes performance perspective? So you give that guy an even better setup, I can't even imagine like what the, <laughs> the ceiling could end up being. It's it's nuts uh, for sure. Well, another one of his big weapons you mentioned, Travis Kelsey. I, I don't oh. know how how much we have to talk about him just because it's he's so good. He's so good. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, literally been the number one tight end in fantasy five straight seasons. Set a career high in catches last year, 105, 1,416 yards was a career high, as well as his touchdowns, 11 there in 2020. So it seems like he's only getting better. Is there any reason to expect anything besides dominance? Is there any way he does anything more than he's already done? What do you think of this guy? He's he's excellent. Um, It was at the middle of last season where I just started saying in my articles on Twitter, it was like Travis Kelsey, comma, future Hall of Famer. Like we don't need to discuss it anymore. The guy's going into the Hall of Fame. His longevity is pretty close to either Rob Gronkowski or Tony Gonzalez, the comparable of how you want to look at it from a statistical standpoint. Like he's reaching that point where he's one of the most um, reliable, consistent, top-end performers uh, in the course of the entire league. 
I love Darren Waller. Uh, he's coming aboard this set of stars in the in the league. Obviously, he's in the AFC West with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I still think George Kittle is excellent. We hope he'll stay healthy this year. But Travis Kelsey really hasn't missed time since his rookie season. And that's one of the more underrated aspects of Kelsey is that he really doesn't get hurt. He takes care of his body very well. He knows kind of how to fall the right way when guys tackle him in the middle of the field because he's taking on so many targets in that area. Um, Another stat that maybe the common fan doesn't realize, Mahomes made his debut in week 17 of 2017. The Chiefs had already locked up their uh, playoff seeding at that standpoint because of Alex Smith's excellent run in that season. Since then, since again, since Patrick Mahomes has been the clear starter, he's never played a game without Travis Kelsey. Um, so whenever you've seen Patrick Mahomes on the field, you've seen Travis Kelsey since the start of 2018 and the matchup has been honestly, you know, it it couldn't be better for Andy Reid to know that, Hey, it's third and seven. We already, no matter where we line up, we have an advantage because the quarterback knows how to get the ball to one of the game's best tight ends. And even if the play doesn't go well, they have enough chemistry to work within improvising or within the structure of the play. Um, and he's looked excellent in training camp. He's actually taking less reps because I think he's reached that senior status of like, Hey, you're 31. We know you're great. We got to get some of these other tight ends to get a look at because I think Andy Reid wants to get to more two tight end sets, which obviously could help Travis Kelsey's production, right? If you have more linebackers on the field, because you have an extra tight end that gives him some advantage as long as Mahomes can use it off of play action or maybe that second tight end like Kelsey spread out more in a receiving spot versus like being on the traditional tight end line. The the last thing I'll mention here too, is I took Travis Kelsey as my first player in my fantasy draft last year. (laughs) So I've been in this fantasy league with me and my buddy since college, we're going all the way back to like 2007. Uh, I I can't remember exactly what pick I had. It wasn't first, second or third. I, I think it was in the middle of the draft and it's just nice to be like, Well, I see him every day. I know how good he is. I'll just take Travis Kelsey first. And I know that's untraditional from a, hey, what are you doing with your first round pick in fantasy? Shouldn't it be a a, a surefire, you know, dual threat running back? Or should it be, you know, somebody like Drew Brees or Peyton Manning or obviously Tom Brady, who you know is going to play every game, you know is going to have a high completion percentage, isn't going to turn the ball over much. Obviously, Aaron Aaron Rodgers is, uh, is excellent as well as long as Mahomes. But once those players came off the board, it was like, I could pick a running back or I could just pick a guy that I know is going to get a thousand yards, going to score a lot of touchdowns, going to get a lot of targets, going to convert a lot of third downs based on whatever league you are uh, from a fantasy standpoint. And it's just going to be um, the best tight end in the league. And we could say all those things this year, Nick, like, I don't know how long Travis Kelsey's prime is, but it's at least for another year or two, as long as he stays healthy. So I don't see much changing other than maybe the formations are a little bit different so that you get the ball to Kelsey in some different spots this year, because the offense is, you know, it always sort of evolves to where, you know, it would be interesting if Andy Reid goes from spreading the, the, the formations out with four wide receivers to now, Hey, let's go back into that traditional two tight end set. And Kelsey's still running these out and ups where you're like, you're not supposed to be running that route from the middle of the field based on that formation, based on the looks you gave us earlier. So I have full trust in Travis Kelsey if I'm a fantasy owner and you should take him earlier than expected just because of all the things I've listed. As long as Mahomes is on the field and Kelsey's on the field, you're going to be earning points 
no matter what week it is in the NFL schedule. I, I'm in 100% agreement. I wish I had agree, you know, realized that last year, how good and consistent and steady he was because you listen to all those quarterbacks and they're all good, but there's so few tight ends other than maybe Waller and Kittle. And there's still like a mm-hmm. clear step below Kelsey in terms yeah. of production. That is just such a crazy edge in fantasy because tight end, most of the time, you're just throwing together as much against the wall, see what sticks. Maybe <laughs> I get a tight end this, this week, you know, touchdown from them. But when yep. you have that steady dominance, I, I was even advocating as early as first overall, you could take Travis Kelsey, given how big of an edge and how there's literally no question marks in terms of the durability. You know, obviously injuries could happen at any point, but still, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, that would be the anomaly. As you said, 16 straight games. If him and, and Pat Mahomes are on the same field, you're going to get 1,300 plus. You're going to get t- 10 plus TDs at the hardest position to find that production. I, it's a no-brainer, in my opinion. I'm 100% with you. I think it was a great pick to take him in round one. Uh, Thank and you. Certainly Thank you. I, I, I made the playoffs. We, didn't, we yes. didn't end well, but we made the playoffs. And it's, it's just always fun because guys in, in our draft were like, really and I was just like well I I mean I literally see them every day these right. you know I have some insight I have some advantage on my perspective but I felt good about it it was like hey you know Travis Kelsey Christian McCaffrey and it sucked last year that McCaffrey got hurt but it's like they are comparable players based on talent the amount of touches the amount of times they may get in the end zone and that's again it's crazy to think about which also tells you how much of a hall of famer Travis yeah. Kelsey is where it's like you can look at the playoff performance. He's been excellent in the playoffs. You can look at, again, the consistency, the longevity of his prime. But also there's like, you know, we're going to get to points in these Hall of Fame discussions where it's like, is a guy a first ballot or is he a third ballot? Well, what did you, how, how much did you trust him on third down and how much did you trust him in fantasy? Because if those two things line up, I I don't see how you couldn't, uh, how you couldn't put him in, you know, Canton when his first go round is. And it's crazy to say that, yeah, um, Saquon Barkley or Travis Kelsey. I kind of want to pick Travis Kelsey because it's a passing league and the guy's been so good for so long. Absolutely, yeah. And Saquon comes with those question marks, whereas Kelsey, there's no question at all, again, at the hardest position. So I'm with you. I have Kelsey higher than Saquon. I think I have met four or five overall right now. I have the seventh pick in my draft coming up this year, and I'm, I'm praying Kelsey falls to me. I, I would love <laughs> to go him there uh, yeah. for sure. Um, but we knew we knew Tyreek, we knew Kelsey, we know Mahomes. They're going to be studs, even if there's unique ways they, they could be used, even if the line could give them more time to connect on big plays and, and somehow their games get reached to new levels. Certainly a possibility. The real question Fancy Owners probably has is what's coming behind these studs that we already know? Uh, and I know you've written a lot about this guy, so I'll, I'll kind of let you take the floor. And that's McCole Hardman. Now that Sammy Watkins is gone, it wasn't really clear who might come up and be that number two receiver. Based on your reports, it sounds like it could be McCole Hardman. What what are you seeing from McCole uh, so far and in his evolution as a player? Yeah, it, it's a it's a fun player to talk about, Nick, because I think there's so much potential there. And it's just a matter of can McCole Hardman harness it? Can Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, can they scheme him open in some ways that they haven't in the past? And look, can McCole Hardman just be a more traditional, you know, consistent performer? Because I think that was the issue in Super Bowl 55, because it was clear that the Buccaneers came in with, I think, a wise game plan. Yeah. Can we please double cover uh, Travis Kelsey? And can the deepest man stay the deepest when it comes to Tyreek Hill so that at least it's not a wide open pass for Mahomes? Um, That gave up a lot of one-on-one opportunities for McCole Hartman. I believe similar situations are going to happen this season, right? Teams are going to ask, 
well, who do we want to beat us? And if you're a fantasy football owner, you hope that question is McCole Hartman and a matter of a third-year player finally, finally understanding the playbook, reaching his potential, having confidence in his timing and chemistry with Mahomes. Because as I've written before in the past at The Athletic, um, it was clear by about October last year that, man, it would have been really nice for McCole to have that second season where he goes through the OTAs, the mandatory right. mini camps, the traditional training camp, where you just have hundreds of reps with Mahomes about, hey, what did you see here with this coverage? Hey, I like it if you run this route a little bit differently than where you ran it. How do you feel comfortable with me throwing the ball on this side of the shoulder versus that side of the shoulder? These are all questions that they really couldn't get to last year. And so, of course, it was reasonable for Mahomes to trust guys that he had been with a little longer in Kelsey you know, Tyreek Hill, and even uh, Sammy Watkins when he, when he was on the field last year. Um, I see a more mature player. That is the word that has sort of come out of Chiefs camp is the maturity of McCole Hardman, who understands that, hey, this is an opportunity. You know, if you want to make uh, sizable amounts of money in your second contract, you kind of need to play well by your third year. Um, you know, the Chiefs drafted him pretty high as a second round pick. He's got the speed to be a real threat on the, on the offense. And you know, when I look up at his stats, Nick, and I'm sure you've done the same thing, it's it always surprises me that like, wow, we, we've yet to really see that breakout year when you know he has the talent, the speed, the trusted hands to get it done. I think for fantasy owners, if you want a diamond in the mid round of your draft, if you want to trust me uh, as best you can, uh, I think McCall Harmon is a likely candidate for a breakout potential star in this offense um there may be some scenarios as we mentioned before injuries happen where if Tyreek's out for a month or if Travis Kelsey's out for a few weeks it will thrust McColl to, to to be that number one or number two option which will be interesting to see if that happens but I think there are ways for him to win one-on-one matchups I think he understands the playbook a little bit more because he's had more time to obviously be within the system so if it's going to happen it should happen now for McColl Hardman and an added bonus at least from camp so far, is that he appears to still be the leading punt returner for the Chiefs. So maybe there's a chance where he gives you a couple touchdowns there as well. As a punt returner, he did have a punt return for a touchdown in the comeback win against the Miami Dolphins uh, late last season. So maybe there's a chance for him to still stay in that role. Um, There's maybe potential for him to be a kick returner if things sort of go a certain way with Byron Pringle, who had some success last year, but I wouldn't say he's necessarily got the job immediately um so the Chiefs will try to strike a balance between having him play more offensive snaps but still trying to be a feared high-end level player on special teams but I think this is the year um I'm asking your listeners to trust me uh if McCall Hartman's there and you start to say him versus another player I I think you trust Andy Reid you trust Mahomes you trust Eric Bieniemy, and you put a little trust in McCall Hartman to see if he if he has an 18, excuse me, if he has an 800 yard season, if he has six to seven touchdowns, if he's someone who could um, maybe take your fantasy team to the next level, just because you know the Chiefs are going to be passing the ball a lot and there is room for McCole to grow because Sammy Watkins isn't on the roster anymore. Intrigued. Yeah, you know, 800 yards, seven TDs, he goes right around 910. That, that would be pretty solid value to get there if he is more complete. If, you know, if this kind of comes to fruition, what you're saying, a more complete receiver, a better understanding of the playbook, just a more mature. I know what you've written a lot about, just like the way he's approached practice even. Yes. He just can just tell he's worked harder 
and he gets it. And I mean, if he's recognized this as an opportunity to get paid, who, who better to do it alongside than <laughs> Pat Mahomes, right? Yeah. You're not going to get any better chance than this. Pat Mahomes, number two receiver. I love it. Well, you did mention too, you know, and a lot of people I've seen the argument with McColl for, for drafting him is the upside exists if something ever happened to Tyreek he might get thrust into that number one receiver role. Now, I know we haven't really seen him in game action, but based on what you're seeing in camp, is that something you think he could shoulder? Or would that actually end up being a detriment to his game uh, if he ends up getting thrust into that role at any point this season? I would love to see it because, um, and again, I don't want Tyreek Hill to get hurt, but I'm just saying in terms of, hey, if if Tyreek has an ankle injury and it's just wise to rest it for two weeks, because you know the Chiefs are going to go in the playoffs and their season ultimately comes down to what happens in January and what they hope early February, then yeah, it, it would be nice for an experience for McColl to have, Hey, let's see you take on that top corner. Let's see you right. understand that they're shading the coverage to you from whoever the second defender is, whether it's a safety or somebody from the inside. Uh, I, I want to see um, McColl and Patrick really get to a point where there's fully trust there. I think last year and the Super Bowl kind of exposed this. Um, there were plays set up for McColl to have success in the first half. And anybody can look this up on the internet. Um, and then when it became clear that McColl wasn't running the right routes or he wasn't seeing the coverage the same way as Mahomes, or he wasn't, you know, going that extra mile to make that reception. There's one play in the Super Bowl where the ball isn't perfect, but it's still in his radius to catch it and he just doesn't sort of lay out for it, um, you're going to have to see some of those moments this year because in the second half of the Super Bowl, when the Chiefs had to pass the ball against the Buccaneers' defense, uh, Mahomes only targeted McColl one time. It's one of those stats where it just kind of really jumps out at you because targets come down to trust within the framework of the system, knowing who your opponent is. And I think in the second half of these games in 2021 – there's going to have to be moments where I think Mahomes is going to have to trust McColl a little bit more and McColl's going to have to, you know, give some real production so that they can move forward to be not as predictable in the second half of these games. Um, McColl is a player who needs affirmation and the ability to see encouragement early. Um, you, if you see statistically, if he has a good start in the first quarter, that usually means he'll have a, a pretty good game by and large. Um, so there's going to be moments this season too, where maybe a defender, you know, shuts him down for a half. How does he come out of the second half? These are questions that I have. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I can give you all the answers, but there's going to be chances for him to really break through. Um, and when you're looking at guys that you want to jump on at the right moment from a fantasy standpoint, everything's there for him. And I think Mahomes is going to have to get to a point where it's like, okay, this is year three. You should be better. I should be able to throw you the ball and throw you open and you've got to make something happen. Um, and I think if it's ever going to happen, it should happen now versus a year or two from now when he's obviously going to be reaching free agency and the Chiefs are going to have to make sure that they keep players that Mahomes can trust on the roster. There's so much of this comes down to if you can play well with Mahomes, you will be with the Chiefs for the foreseeable. Look at Travis Kelsey, look at Tyreek Hill. Um, there's no better chance than now, but there is some worry that comes along with selecting McCole Hardman because of all the things I've mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. It's not surefire, but it sounds like he may be ready for this year. The opportunities there. We all know that it sounds like he's looking like he's ready for that opportunity. Let's see what happens on the game action. It's easy to look ready and practice every now yes. and again, 
but let's see how it looks <laughs> yep, with the pads strap exactly. on. Uh, I can just see it already in preseason. He's going to catch like a 60-yard bomb, and his price is going to go up like three rounds in fantasy. So draft him while you can if you listen <laughs> to this, this interview early. Yes. I, I know it's happening. Uh, well, ultimately, even behind, you know, the big two, plus if McCole Hardman takes a step, there's probably still room given how explosive this offense is. And Mahomes again offensive pie is always going to have enough goodness for plenty of mouths. And so if a potential third does emerge, they still might have value, even if Hardman takes a step. So how has that trio, it's, you know, whether it's Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, the rookie Cornell Powell, who do you kind of see stepping up, if anybody, into that wide receiver three role? And do you think that would have enough value for fantasy owners to really care about them? Yeah, particularly maybe in the middle of the season, um, because I think there will be times for the Chiefs to get to uh, some red zone stuff with these players, right, where you start to use the red zone. And they did this a little bit last year where the red zone kind of became the fun house for the Chiefs, where it's like, hey, look at Tyreek Hill over here. And hey, why is Mahomes motioning in the backfield? But a lot of those plays were set up for someone like Demarcus Robinson. Uh, There's a case to be made that if a second tight end emerges, whether it's Noah Gray, uh, Blake Bell has returned from the championship roster. He was there in 2019 when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, there's even some Jody Fortson buzz at a training camp, uh, who was a 6'6 weapon that Mahomes has never really played with before because he's a third-year player who's really had to grind his way up to maybe making the roster this year. But I think right now, I would say the, the, the leading candidate for the third receiver spot is Byron Pringle. He's improved his speed. He's become a little bit more of a deeper threat at least in training camp so far. Again, we want to see that transfer to the preseason as well if he gets some reps there. I I think Demarcus Robinson is the player you may want to trust the most just because, crazy enough, we're going into year five, year six of Demarcus Robinson. He's been in the system the whole time. Him and Mahomes tend to understand what one another's doing when the play breaks down, not necessarily when we're in the structure of the play, as weirdly as that sounds. But when Mahomes is scrambling, one of the guys that has a real innate ability to understand what Mahomes wants is Marcus Robinson. So he's, he's always kind of in play there. Um, I, I think there are chances for these players to have moments in the red zone and have moments where the play is set up to use either Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill as a decoy to give a one-on-one opportunity to one of these guys. Um, if these players play well, the Chiefs offense ultimately becomes unstoppable. And that's what fantasy owners want. If you have two or three Chiefs players on your roster, But ultimately, I feel that Byron Pringle has a chance to really, you know, take a step forward. I think whatever Demarcus Robinson has given you in the past, both statistically and from a fantasy standpoint, I would kind of keep that baseline there as well. uh, If you want to draft him sort of in that late round, because again, when you're drafting late in rounds, you have to worry about who is my receiver catching these passes from. And so if you're dealing with Aaron Rodgers, if you're dealing with, you know, Tom Brady or Mahomes, I think there's a little bit more trust and equity within those offensive systems. So that may be a benefit to Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson. But yeah, I, I feel that in a lot of ways, these players have been in the playbook for three years now. They should have a chance to have their moments. And if the Chiefs are in the red zone a lot and they still feel like they need to have an advantage from a passing standpoint, these players could benefit a most to where, hey, maybe they have five, seven, you know, maybe six touchdowns to where, there's, there's some real value there in terms of keeping them and knowing that that offense is going to be top five probably for the entire season if everything goes the way it's supposed to for the Chiefs. 
Absolutely. And the, the last passing game weapon I wanted to bring up, because you've mentioned two tight end sets. I know this guy was getting tons of buzz in OTAs, and that's Noah Gray, the rookie mm-hmm. tight end, another big body who was making daily plays in OTAs. Now, has that carried over into camp when the pads have come on? Has he still looked great? Uh, what are your thoughts on this rookie tight end? How's he looking? So everybody uh, here in Kansas City has started to, to, to understand my affection for Noah Gray. <laughs> uh, and so I'll be really quick with this. The Chiefs, you know, you know, I didn't really know Noah Gray on draft day. He was one of those prospects where some team always takes him and you go, wait, wait, he's not in my sheet. Like, what, what are we like? I didn't really, you know, I, I, I've said I've advocated for years that the Chiefs should get another tight end to pair with Travis Kelsey. It makes all the sense in the world. We really don't need to get into it. So the Chiefs this year trade up in the fifth round. They draft Noah Gray from Duke. And the reason I think Noah kind of went under the radar is um, Duke's quarterback play was not good last season, (laughs) but Noah Gray was. And one of the scouts for the Chiefs explained to me, hey, even when we scouted him, and even though he may not have been on your radar as one of these mid-round tight ends to choose from, he was getting open. He was someone who could understand the system. They moved him around both in the slot, to the H back, to the fullback, to the tight end. The guy is very smart. He's very cerebral. When the pads came on in training camp, I was I was hopeful. And Noah Gray has done a valuable, admirable job of really continuing to impress the Chiefs. You hope in the middle of the season. I'm not saying Noah Gray is going to be out there, you know, killing it in September. But I think the hope is you bring him along slowly. He starts to make some real waves in November, perhaps into December. And when I went back and watched Noah Gray on film in college and then matched what my eyes were seeing in OTAs, I started calling Noah Gray a majestic white horse on a sandy beach. And I hope (laughs) that remains true through the regular season, because sometimes when you get to later round draft picks, they are that majestic white horse. And then reality sets in and they become mostly average horses and or donkeys. So I want Noah Gray to continue to be that white horse. Um, He's been excellent. He has had some really good reps against Daniel Sorensen, who was a starting safety for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think there's a chance for Noah Gray to to surprise some people um, if the matchups are favorable for him and he continues to progress at a fast pace to what the Chiefs have scouted and what the coaches have seen so far uh, in training camp. The preseason, I want to see it. I want to see Noah Gray dominate in the second half of these preseason games because Chad Henney is a reliable backup quarterback to where I think you can get some really good evaluations on these second-tier skill position guys. But I love Noah Gray. He has my affection. Um, I think he has a chance to be a legitimate player in this offense to where these two tight end sets become a little bit more complicated because maybe the Chiefs can run out of it and pass out of it. And again, the Chiefs don't need to be more unpredictable, but that's where they're trending if everything goes a certain way with these younger players. Really intriguing for sure, uh, an athletic tight end like that. Now, if anything, in football, there's very rarely a tight end handcuff. We call it in fantasy, a handcuff for like the backup running back. If your running back goes down, you know, <laughs> yep. the, the, you know, you have his backup ready. Could that be the case with Travis Kelsey though? Like if anything, I know you said he's played 16 games in all these seasons. He hasn't missed one in forever, but let's say tragedy does fall and something unfortunately happens. I hope it doesn't. I'm not saying I want it to, but let's right. say it does. Would Noah Gray be that next man up? And, and do you think he could shoulder a Travis Kelsey style role or would that just be way too far-fetched? 
I think they would have to change some things, but I would say because he's a rookie, because I've seen the talent, just go put him out there and just yeah. see what you can get. Um, whether he's split in on the slot, whether he's traditional from that tight end standpoint, um, you know, it's fascinating. I don't want to give away too much here, but my brain relatively works from time to time. <laughs> and I can see a lot of, I can see a lot of things that the chiefs did in 2018 that should work with Noah Gray. If these opportunities increase or his snaps uh, had to go up a certain a bit um, where they used to run these read option plays in 2018 with um, with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is an incredible running back. Obviously he's with the Cleveland Browns now. He's obviously maintained his success, but it was a real bind for defenses because Mahomes would stick the ball out in front of, you know, Kareem Hunt and the defense would have to commit and who was coming behind every linebacker. Well, it was Travis Kelsey, uh, mostly from that short slot position, uh, whether he was going to where the ball was or he was running the opposite, opposite of the, of the strong side formation. I think Noah Gray could do some of those type of things where, Hey, maybe you use read option to get him some one-on-one opportunities. Uh, maybe there's for him to split wide and sort of come underneath on crossing routes. I, I I get the sense that the Chiefs scouted Noah Gray and understood that maybe some teams undervalued what he could do in their maybe more pro-style offense, where Reed is a pro-style college concept sort of fusion, to where maybe that helps Noah Gray's progress a little bit more. Um, I think Blake Bell is getting older. Um, he's not the player he was in 2019, at least so far in camp. Uh, he will be there for blocking. He's one of the best blocking tight ends, but you're not going to get much fantasy production out of him. So the logical person to get wide receiver targets to help out um, in sort of keeping linebackers on the field should be Noah Gray. And then it's a matter of can he win his one-on-one matchups? Does Mahomes find a way to get him the ball uh, with some space in the middle of the field? Because the talent's there. But again, we've never seen it in an NFL context. So there's always a little bit of a a hesitation. But this is the first time since the team knew they had a star in Travis Kelsey where they have someone capable of getting pretty high in terms of what their talent, what their repertoire is that matches the offense. Uh, I know some Chiefs fans who may be listening think of Demetrius Harris and sort of the love affair, love-hate relationship they had with him because there'd be times where Demetrius showed, hey, this this guy has some real skills to him, and there'd be times where he, you know, the consistency was the issue, particularly when you know you're you're getting plays against Travis Kelsey. There's some hesitancy there, but maybe Noah Gray is an even better version of what Demetrius Harris was in 2017 and 2018. Very intriguing indeed. Well, we've covered all the pass game options that I can think of at this point. Uh, the, the last one or two players, though, come from the backfield. And obviously, Clyde Edwards-Solaire, I would love to dig into him a little bit. You know, he wasn't awful as a rookie, but last year, fantasy owners were drafting him, you know, sometimes in the top five. I know I took him at fourth in one draft, thinking that we're getting that next Andy Reid workhorse, you know, Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, yeah. Daniel Charles, Kareem Hunt. He's had so many monster backs uh, in fantasy, but then we just got the running back 22. It kind of felt like a disappointment uh, within that kind of context. Now, how is he looking, though, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as a sophomore? Is there any reason you could see a spike in his usage and or stats and maybe he reaches those levels? Or is it just always going to be kind of what we saw last year? Yeah, it's a great question, Nick. And let's be both good cop and bad cop with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So if I'm the good cop, I'm advocating that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is running behind a better offensive line. 
Mm-hmm. So that should give you an extra yard or two in certain spots. Maybe he's able to pop more big runs this season than last year. Uh, by the way, what a tease in the opener against the Houston Texans, where we all didn't realize, wow, the Houston Texans are bad at defense. Yeah. Because he was a, I mean, all over the place. No preseason games coming off a 15 game LSU run that is unprecedented, really, for a college running back, knowing how good he was as really a one time starter with Joe Burrow. I mean, that LSU offense, we're going to look back 10 years and be like, that was a great team. So yeah. he comes off that. There's no preseason games. You rush everything up from a playbook standpoint. People tend to forget about this too. He was not supposed to be the starter. Damian Williams had come off an amazing Super Bowl performance in Super Bowl 54. He right. opts out because of COVID to deal with his mother and to make sure she's okay from a health standpoint. So they really rush everything to Clyde was hilarious. He gets over 100 all-purpose yards, scores a touchdown, oh. has highlights all over the place. And then a month later, we're like, ah. The Houston Texans were really that bad. And it's like, yeah, they're really that bad. So it was kind of a tease. He wasn't playing against the best offensive line. So if the offensive line improves this year, there's just going to be more yards. Um, He got hurt in December. So what you hope in year two is he got time to rest his body. He's going to be there for all 17 games, which should give you more production. As you mentioned, Nick, it was 1,100 all-purpose yards. Not terrible, not great. Uh, The biggest issue... And this kind of where I go from good cop to a bad cop is because he's somewhat undersized, because he's not Kareem Hunt, he struggled in the red zone. And so all of what this season will come down to, weirdly for Clyde, is we know what you can do from the 20 to the 20s. Like in that middle of the field, in those, you know, 60 yards, you're excellent. You're going to have all the, you know, the opportunity to really succeed in this Chiefs offense. It's when you get inside the 20s, when you get inside the red zone, can the can the Chiefs offensive line punch it in? Can he make guys miss in the open field or in that one-on-one sort of, you know it's coming, the defense knows it's coming, the cheerleaders know it's coming, the guy in row 80 knows it's coming, the commentators knows it's coming, can you run the ball into the end zone? Mm-hmm. And if that happens, again, it's one of those things where the Chiefs offense even goes from being great to holy smokes. From a bad cop perspective, is Clyde ever going to get there? Who knows? There's real reason to question that. I would also say, too, because McCole Hartman may be better, maybe those targets go to him. Maybe the Chiefs sort of are okay with his snap count portion. You know, when training camp started, my thought was, oh, Clyde should get most of the reps in practice. They should really, you know, get a real rhythm with him. Well, he's been splitting time with Darrell Williams, who had a decent season last year. Jerry McKinnon has come in and really dazzled in training camp because we know he can do from a running back and sort of that uh, secondary receiver standpoint. So maybe his snaps aren't as high from a from a back cop perspective where he doesn't get that increased amount of chances from year one to year two that you mostly see out of running backs. Um, it's really a coin toss, kids. I don't know. I want to say that Clyde is going to be better just because most running backs are between year one and year two. But, you know, he's playing in an offense that's always pass first. And maybe the red zone struggles um, continue, and that gives more opportunities to someone like Travis Kelsey and less to Clyde Edwards-Alaire if all things sort of remain true. That really bore out last year. And interestingly enough, I mean, they were passing the ball to uh, Anthony Sherman for touchdowns last year 
in the red zone. <laughs> Not Clyde Edwards Alaire. Yep. I don't know if Andy's going to do that with Michael Burton. He's a new fullback. You're never going to draft him, but you will be upset if he starts scoring touchdowns in the red zone over Clyde Edwards Alaire because that's what happened a year ago where all of a sudden they're they're down at the five yard line and they're running chicoration and it's like that that doesn't benefit the Clyde Edwards Alaire fantasy owner. It doesn't be, it doesn't benefit them one bit. Uh, <laughs> So there's some good cop, bad cop to it. And I really think it's a coin toss and you hope that there's going to be more production from a fantasy standpoint, but I can't guarantee you that this year, much like I have a little bit more confidence in McCole Hardman, uh, you know, if we're putting these two players on the same tier in terms of fantasy drafting standpoint, I think the edge right now goes to McColl, And I think we're really going to have to see how this offensive line gels and can they really push defenders back when they get in the red zone, because that's what's going to help Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I don't know if he's the Kareem Hunt, where they could give Kareem Hunt the ball at the seven-yard line, and it's just like, I don't care if there's three defenders. He might somehow get in the end zone, which yeah. was which is what makes, you know, someone like Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt so valuable, because they can burst and break off these long runs, but they're so great in short yardage red zone situations. Um, that'll be the real hurdle for Clyde. Yeah, it would be very intriguing indeed. You're giving me a little bit of uh, PTSD here, Nate, because I had a fight <laughs> on so many teams and the amount of times I swore at my TV, almost threw a remote through it because a fullback or Kelsey's getting an end around or like, yep. they, it just, it would never be hilarious. And the touchdowns were never there. And I, I am hopeful, hopeful that that line will be the difference because he was just getting blown up. There's so many times it's like, he didn't even have a chance, yes. but maybe, and maybe that's just by design. Maybe he's not made for that too. So I think you're really emphasizing that there is a, a obviously a ceiling that could be huge if he is getting those touchdowns. He's getting those touches in between the 20s plus the touchdowns, but a pretty decent floor if those touchdowns aren't coming, if the receiving work isn't actually coming more because McCole Hardman stepped up or who else. So there is a pretty good ceiling. There's a pretty big floor. Uh, and I think maybe he might be a little overvalued where he's going because he's going around some running backs and receivers that just have much more higher ceilings and floors uh, yeah. alongside and similar ceilings, I should say, but higher floors. That's, that's an interesting to note. Uh, for sure. Hopefully the line does uh, pan out for him. You did mention, though, somebody who's dazzling who might eat into that receiving workload for Clyde Edwards Slayer is Jarek McKinnon. Uh, he's one of your risers in your uh, article. And again, I want to emphasize to listeners the athletic, awesome coverage from Nate, all the training camp coverage for everybody, really. I just love the athletic. You guys are incredible. Thank uh, you. If anybody hasn't subscribed that's listening to here, it's please the, do. Hey, please do. It really <laughs> is. Is there do. any promo code for you, by the way? I don't know if they have like an athletic code that you have that they can throw in uh, to give you some credit, but man, it's great. And your coverage has been fantastic. You wrote an awesome one about risers and fallers. And you mentioned Jarek McKinnon, as you said earlier, dazzling in camp. What have you seen so far? Why is he dazzling and, and how involved do you really think he could be? Yeah, I know there's concerns with Jarek McKinnon because he's had some knee injury problems and that's always you know, a, a thing to make, you know, fantasy owners hesitate when you're talking about a running back and someone that can be used in multiple ways. But as you mentioned before, Andy Reid is so good about using running backs. And, you know, there's been times where the Chiefs have wanted uh, really two running backs to sort of play off of, you know, they tried it two years ago with uh, LaShawn McCoy to some success early, but that sort of fizzled out. They did get Lash LaShawn, um, excuse me, they got Le'Veon Bell last year, excuse me, they got him 
in the middle of last year. He had some moments. By the way, they, they were running pitch options to Le'Veon Bell in the red zone. And again, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was not getting those touchdowns. Uh, there's like 10 <laughs> plays where I can think of where it's like, oh, a jet sweep to Tyree Kill in the red zone. Just because yep. we can. Just because yep. we can. Oh, a little pitch option to Le'Veon Bell. Just because we could. A little underneath pass to Travis <sighs> Kelsey to Anthony Sherman. Just because we could. Why not, you know? right? And, and again... <laughs> This, this third string tackle. Why don't we throw him a touchdown? Well, you know, let's make him an eligible <laughs> yeah, receiver and just not Clyde Edwards. Sorry, anyone but Hilaire was kind of the moral of the story. I mean, <laughs> the Baltimore uh, Ravens were like, we got a key in on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It's like, here's a touchdown to Anthony Sherman. Here's a touchdown to Eric Fisher. Just yeah. what a game. <laughs> but there are there are times where I can see similar things happening maybe with Jared McKinnon because the burst is back. That's been the most impressive thing. He looks great in space. You always knew he was a little shifty to make a defender miss in the open field. That's occurred a couple times in practice. And so he's picked up the offense faster than maybe most veterans coming in for the first time in an Andy Reid system because anybody will tell you it's so hard to learn Andy Reid's playbook because there are so many plays and there's so many concepts and there's so many like, you know, I don't understand why this matters now, coach, because it's, you know, August 5th, but it'll make sense in November when we've ran it a couple times in practice. We've seen what this is going to look like on film based on the tendencies. And guess what? It's going to work because we did it all the way back on August 5th. So there are chances for McKinnon to have some real, some real success, particularly in short yardage, weirdly, because the Chiefs, as we've mentioned before, they like to get really creative. They like to get tricky um against offenses and look Jeremy McKinnon was a former quarterback in high school the Chiefs ran some wildcat particularly in 2019 that I think is gonna make its way back in 2021 uh the Chiefs will never run a quarterback sneak ever again Nick in Patrick Mahomes's career all right (laughs) everybody knows 2019 he had to dislocate a kneecap on a quarterback sneak. they never ran it since yep so Jared McKinnon could be the Wildcat quarterback this year. Uh, If your fantasy league cares about first downs, he may be someone that um, matters to you, particularly in the short yardage standpoint, if they're going to give Clyde Edwards-Lair a a breather, just because weirdly enough, I think McKinnon runs with a little more power where obviously Hmm. there's, there's so much grace and just footwork excellence from Clyde Edwards-Lair. But again, he's not that big guy that you're just going to run between the tackles and then you're going to get four or five yards on. So, McKinnon in a weird way kind of fits that role right now alongside Darrell Williams. And whenever Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball to Jerk McKinnon, whether it's been high, whether it's been low, the guys made the catch. So there's some real reliability and trust with his hands. And you know this as well as I do, Nick, when Andy Reid decides that this is a game where we're going to use the screen pass, good luck because the running back all of a sudden, if the offensive line works properly, is going to have some plays in space. And so the Chiefs didn't run a lot of screens last year. But I can see that making a return, particularly in these two tight end sets as well. Well, there's play action. Hey, make it look this way. Here's a screen pass. All of a sudden, Jeremy McKinnon has got three of his blocking friends in front of him for a 15, 20-yard gain. So um, I know I've given our listeners a lot, but there's a case to be made for all of these guys just because the playbook's there, the quarterback's there, uh, the continuity is there based on a lot of these guys from the skill position you know, coming together. And Jeremy McKinnon, whether I look back at, you know, previous veteran running backs in the past. And again, that's LaShawn McCoy, 
That's Le'Veon Bell. Yes, I'm going to mention Carlos Hyde, who couldn't even make it out of training camp before he got traded to the Houston Texans because he couldn't. He just couldn't get the system down as fast as they wanted. McKinnon seems to be ahead of all those guys in terms of how many days he's had to get with the team. Obviously, having a traditional training camp helps a veteran his his sort, and so he should be ready to go week one. Uh, comparable to other guys in the past who sort of had to, you know, ease into this thing, and you sort of see their numbers rise in October. The question, of course, is can McKinnon stay healthy? Can he be great in week one or someone that you can um, be stable, be steady with? And can that, you know, be a a nice steady line of statistical production over the course of a 17-game season? Very intriguing indeed, though. An offense like this, you want as many pieces as you can get. So I know, as you said, we've given them a lot, but this is an offense you want a lot of. And McKinnon going undrafted in most drafts at this point, but could have a very meaningful role in the backfield. The reason it may be a little bit lower on Clyde O'Tillaire at all. It all makes sense, unfortunately, for Hilaire's stock, but McKinnon could be a great sleeper himself. Yes. I know I saw like Andy Reid was shouting him out already as a playmaker. Mahomes called him a playmaker. Andy Reid was like his speed, his pass catching is great. So he's got the endorsements of the two most important people. As you're saying, he's looked great in camp. Very intriguing sleeper for our uh, listeners to, to definitely pay attention to. Well, Nate, this has been amazing. I know we're up against the time. We typically wrap up with like a two-minute offense, we call it, where we wrap through 10 rapid-fire questions. First name, do you have the time for that, or do you got to get running? No, let's do it. Let's do it real quick. I, I will try to be as efficient as Patrick Mahomes is in the two-minute drill, which is very hard to do, but I'll try. That's, that's tough to replicate for sure, <laughs> but let's do it. Uh, we'll start with the team's leading rusher this year and how many yards? Oh, Clyde was a layer 920. Okay. Team's leading receiver in how many yards? Tyreek Hill, 1115. Team's biggest disappointment on offense. I mean, the easiest candidate is, is McCall Hardman not reaching the breakout year that I projected. Maybe McCall Hardman, another 500, 580 season, four touchdowns. Well, I wonder if your answer will be the same for this one, then. The biggest surprise or breakout player will be. Oh, great variance. McCall <laughs> Harvard, 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. Again, again, it's really hard because the Chiefs' office is going to function properly as long as 15's up and, and, yeah. and slinging the ball. But, yeah, I think the biggest ceiling, biggest disappointment on the amount of targets, touches, is probably McCall Hardman. Yeah, it could be the biggest disappointment or the biggest breakout. Yeah, big ceiling or floor there. This is probably an easy one, but what do you consider the Chiefs' biggest strength? <laughs> um, Mahomes and Kelsey. It's yeah. just like I'm gonna write about it for you know years from now. Just third and eight, guys. The ball's going to the ball's going to Kelsey. Yeah, <laughs> and another completion for ten yards. Yep, told you, told you. Just like it is the. I just want people to understand Jerry Rice in Montana, like. You know, Michael yeah. Irving, Troy Aikman, like just Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. Like it's just, it's in that tier now. You you yeah. honestly have to say, oh my goodness, they're going to throw the ball to Kelsey and we have no chance. Right. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. It's so automatic. What about, the, and there's not many of these, but what do you consider the team's biggest weakness? It is the second tight end, just because A, I don't know who it is. B, I don't know what the production is going to look like. And C, you're putting a lot of, expectations, hopes, wishes on a fifth round draft pick rookie in Noah Gray. Again, until we see it, you're not sure. So if Travis Kelsey goes down, the whole offense changes because as we just mentioned before, the thing you can trust the most is Travis Kelsey. I don't know what's coming back. 
on that second tight end. Again, I'm optimistic about Noah Gray, but we just haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it from Jordy Fortson. And I don't think you're going to get a, a breakout year from um, Blake Bell, you know, in year eight or nine, I, I, if my memory is correct. So um, the second tight end spot is something the Chiefs have always wanted to get to. And yet again, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, up in the air for sure. What do you think the record is by the end of the season? Yeah, I, I think I put this on the athletic. You know, um, I tend to be conservative, which is hilarious based on the number I'm going to give you. I, I think I put them at 13 and four. Mm. And again, this is all weird now because we got to do 17, 17 games right. normal 16, which last year I was like, they're going to go 12 and four and be comfortable with it. Of course, they go 14 and two. Mm. Uh, they were excellent last year. Um, Mahomes really reached a new level. Um, I'm trying to be conservative. I'm going to say 13 and four, mostly because I think the Chargers will be better. I think they will face another tough schedule because every reigning team that goes to the Super Bowl usually faces a very hard schedule. Um, and the defense will still have times where there'll be dips. I think, you know, the defense is nowhere near as capable as the offense. The defense has some star players on it, but there's still going to be moments, I think, where the defense is going to have to have some issues struggling, have some dips in their production. And ultimately, they're going to have to be right in December and January, because, again, that's what mostly comes down to the Chiefs season is December, January and early February. But I think I think teams will be able to score on the defense to where they could be in some shootouts. Those games could be 50 50. And I'm going to say the Chiefs are going to be still perhaps maybe the number one seed. Maybe Buffalo catches them for the top AFCC. But I would say 13 and four with confidence, understanding now that I've said that they'll probably go 15 and two. <laughs> I love it. And the last one here is where, well, the last two, it starts with where do you see them finishing uh, this year in terms of you already talked about Jan, you know, January, December ball. Where do you think you, these Chiefs team uh, ends up finishing the season? Yeah, I'm going to be, I, I'm, I'm going to say again, 13 and four, and I'm going to give the tiebreaker to the Bills. Uh, ultimately, what I want and what NFL history has told us, and you know this very well, Nick. Um, the Patriots, although they were in the AFC Championship, it appeared every year. Yeah. Not every not every AFC Championship game was in Gillette Stadium. And so the last three AFC Championship games have been in Arrowhead. It would be really unprecedented if they did it for a four straight year. That has never happened in the entire AFC wow. history conference. So, again, the Chiefs are starting to do Patriot-like things. Yeah, they are. Um, but I'm going to give the Bills the number one seed. And I think the season, weirdly for the Chiefs, I've always said this, and I've said this for the last few weeks, a successful season for the Chiefs will be, can they get back to a fourth AFC championship? Anything after that is ultimately gravy. Obviously, the Chiefs would like to get to the Super Bowl and win it for the second out of the last three years. But I want to hear Jim Nance. I want to hear Tony Romo. I want to see a crazy Buffalo State, Bill Stadium, whatever (laughs) they call it now. And I want to see Bill's Chiefs part two, similar to what a lot of fans in Kansas City wanted in 2019 when we thought – they were going to get Chiefs Patriots part yeah. two. Um, and obviously the Patriots had a bit of a dip. So who knows what's going to happen in Buffalo. But at some point, somebody's got to host the AFC championship <laughs> game other than the Chiefs. And can the Bills or the Ravens or the Browns, you know, sort of overtake them to be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl? Um, that's where I see it ending up. I don't know who's winning that game, but I think most football fans would be understandable and pleased if it's another Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes shootout in late January. Absolutely. Yes. And the chiefs will win. This is a different question for most beat writers compared to you, but the chiefs will win the super bowl when 
Patrick Mahomes goes nuclear in the second half. Yes. It's just, <laughs> I, 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 I want to start to tell people that I know he doesn't look like Tom Brady. I know he doesn't play the same way as Peyton Manning, but Patrick Mahomes is getting close to that, to that like level of quarterback play. Yeah. Where if you watch any Tom Brady Super Bowl, by about the second half, the opposing offense doesn't have a chance. Yeah. And he goes to a certain point where he's figured it all out and the Patriots or the Buccaneers are, are hosting the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Uh, there were moments in Peyton Manning's career where it didn't matter what you put in front of him from a defensive standpoint, Mahomes or Manny, we're going to figure it out. I think that's where um, Patrick Mahomes is getting at. Um, I, if, if you're a 49ers fan, I know your team was up 10 with nine minutes to go. You lost by double digits. It's one of the craziest <laughs> Super Bowl finishes of all time. But again, when he started to figure it out, when he knows he has a skill position with him, um, they're going to be very hard to beat. Uh, so most fans here want me to say that Patrick Mahomes goes nuclear in the second half and he's not running for his life because the offensive line is better than what it was a year ago. And perhaps even as good, if not better than in the 2019 Super Bowl, where again, they right. scored three straight touchdowns when they had to score three straight touchdowns. It's one of the hardest things to do when yeah. it's like, Hey, you have, if you want to win, you got to score now. And everybody knows it. Defense knows it. The whole planet knows it. And they went out and they scored three straight touchdowns. It, it's just, it's um it's one of the more remarkable Super Bowls, and that's why someone like Tom Brady is considered even greater because he's done it over and over Not and so. over again. And it's a shock when it's like, oh my god, the 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 feel the Eagles stripped sack Tom. Like I kind of lost my like my brain kind of went somewhere when it was like the Eagles just stripped Tom Brady to win the game. That never happened. You and me both. <laughs> that was not a fun day. <laughs> so um. he's getting. Patrick Mahomes is getting there, you know. Yeah. Um, Tom Brady has lost in Super Bowl. Mahomes has lost in Super Bowl. But he's getting to that point where, man, if he's excellent in the second half, you have no shot. Absolutely. Well, Nate, this was amazing. I always wrap up by saying, you know, you've answered so many of my questions here. I know you play fantasy yourself. Yes. Do you have any last-minute fantasy questions for me? Or, or you can always hit me up anytime if you have them. But do you have any while, while we're here? Are people comfortable with Aaron Rodgers? Because – he is one of the most interesting characters this entire season. Obviously, he's a he's just a great player. Do I like if I again our draft is me and my college buddies, our draft is in like early September. We want to get through the preseason. Again, we're praying everybody stays healthy. Yeah. Um, but I want to pick Aaron Rodgers just because it'll make me even more into like what whatever the hell this Packer season is about to be. Where it's like he's he wants to leave you guys. You know he wants to leave. You, you guys are just going to play this season out. Like, the Packers are still going to be good, I believe. But how are people digesting this man coming back with Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams and who else? <laughs> it's yeah. just – I don't know if their skill position is as stacked as the Chiefs, but Aaron Rodgers is great. Exactly. I would say uh, the, the general sentiment is – it could go, you know, one of two ways. He's due to regress because he had so many touchdowns oh, on such yeah. few attempts, right? Like it, it was crazy. I'm, I kind of like buying into the narrative, like this is the last dance. I'm sure you've seen all that. Like him and mm -hmm. Adams are probably gone and they just go crazy to each other. And that's kind of what they did last year. They get into yeah. the goal line and it was just, instead of handing it off, they would just throw it to Adams <laughs> and he would get it every single time. 
Uh, So if I don't get Kelsey at seven, I'm hoping to get Adams and then get Rogers like, you know, round six, seven, eight or so uh, as a later bit, bit of a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I'm buying into him going off. That's, that's me personally, but we will see. (laughs) Right. As, as all these teams in real life drafts start to ID prospects and be like, that's the guy I want. No, you know, uh, you know, Mac, no matter what I'm, I'm kind of entering this fantasy draft in a few weeks being like, I just want Aaron Rodgers, no matter what, like, I just like, if I can get to Kelsey again in the first round and, you know, I think in our league, we put it on a cap where you have to draft the quarterback by the fourth or fifth round, depending on. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. we, we, yeah. We make some creative rules where it's like, you have to take a quarterback by the fourth or fifth round just so that everyone's not scrambling in the middle of the draft. Yeah. Um, but we, we understand that like, Hey, if it's, if it's auction, if we don't want to auction it, like you have to take a quarterback relatively soon, just because, um, it creates a more, we've, we've realized it creates an interesting strategy because, you know, at some point you can't take that third wide receiver. You have to take the quarterback and that may open up some opportunities for some of our other buddies in the draft. But yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm obviously I'm a, you know, I'm a story writer and obviously I'm a journalist, but I, I just want to be interested in, in, uh, in Aaron Rodgers this year. And if he would be my fantasy quarterback, that would make it all the more intriguing to watch because I mean, he's not going to play there after this season. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to go through this all over again. So <laughs> uh, I can always tell myself, Hey, I had the last fantasy year of Aaron Rodgers in the green Bay uniform, you know, as he was still sort of in the back end of his prime, but um, this has been great. I just, I always enjoy talking football, whether it's from a fantasy perspective or trying to give people a general idea of what to expect on the X's and O's and how people are looking in practice ahead of their draft. So yeah. if I've been helpful to, to you, uh, Nick, and your listeners, definitely. it will, uh, it will be worth my time. <laughs> uh, I guarantee you, this was so helpful. It was a blast at, at minimum for me. I had an absolute pleasure <laughs> talking ball with you, Nate, but I know so many people are going to love this one. Uh, why don't you remind our listeners as we wrap up here where they can find you and your work and anything you'd like to promote? Yeah, uh, if you get some time and if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, I would encourage you highly to do so. 100%. We do not have our promo code now, but there will be one as we get closer to the regular season. So I would say uh, late August, early September, as everybody gets football focused, yeah. um, we'll have some deals for you. But it's it's relatively uh, affordable right now. I think you can get it for $4.99 or $5.99 is usually what I tell people. Such a good uh, deal. It's such a great deal. You get me, you get my my buddies in Las Vegas, you get Dan Popper in LA, you get Vic Tafer in Las Vegas, along with Tashawn Reed, my good friend. Uh, you get my guy Nick in Denver if you care about the AFC West. But we have somebody covering each NFL team this season. Uh, I am obviously covering the Chiefs. Um, it's very easy, folks. It's my byline in The Athletic, and it's the same way on social media, whether that's Twitter or Instagram. It's by Nate Taylor. Uh, I'm entering year four of covering uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs from my hometown here in Kansas City. And yeah, it's uh, it's been a joy. I have yet to travel for a playoff game. <laughs> Another interesting <laughs> oh, stat, kids. Uh, every that. every playoff game I've covered of the Chiefs has been at Arrowhead Stadium wow. if they haven't played uh, in a Super Bowl. So it's, uh, it's really the golden era of the Chiefs, and we're trying to provide the best comprehensive coverage of the team here at The Athletic. So uh, if you've enjoyed an hour, if you've enjoyed an hour of me rambling about uh, <laughs> this this fun team, 
um, maybe you'll be willing to read a few articles at theathletic.com. I would highly recommend everybody check that out. It's all, it's the best coverage. I would hundred percent agree. And clearly you're the good luck charm too. You brought all the uh, titles <laughs> with you when you got home to cover your team. What a joy that must be too, right? The, the perfect time to get in there. Uh, Nate, well, this was awesome, man. I, I love everything about this interview. Thank you so much for your time and insight. Uh, and best of luck to you in the season and fantasy and everything. I uh, hope you have a great NFL season this year, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Same to you, Nick. Thanks for having me as always. Absolutely. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. We stole the show. At least we stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. That's pretty awesome. That's old fashioned football right there, folks.